Uh, If you have your Bibles or your digital instrument, go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, I want to read verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 and verse 14 tonight as we're going to dig into this. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 1, 13 and 14 says the following, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Now that's interesting. What, what you need to understand about that chapter is that the writer is making a clear distinction between the status of Jesus and the status of angels. Say, uh, yeah, he, uh, God made that statement, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. But he didn't say that to one of the angels. He said that to Jesus. Obviously, Jesus who is seated at the right hand of the Father and the one who is uh, 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 certainly going to have all of the enemies uh, uh, under his feet and the last of those enemies to be destroyed, the Scripture says, is death. And thank God that's a great day coming. But but you see, the, uh, the, the intention of the writer is to make a distinction between Jesus and the angels. And uh, so he makes that distinction very clearly and puts out this rhetorical question. Well, did, did the father ever make that statement to an angel? No, certainly not. But then he goes on to verse 14 and he says, talking about angels now, are they not all ministering spirits? sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Uh, Several other translations of that I'll read to you real quick. The the J.B. Phillips translation says that there are spirits in the service of God commissioned to serve the heirs of God's salvation. Did you ever think that there were angels commissioned to serve you? Well, guess what? That's exactly the truth. Hebrews 1.14 in the Amplified, uh, the, the New Amplified, believe it or not, there's a new one. And what, what many of you got used to is called the Amplified Classic now. And I, I'm not used to something that I grew up with being called classic, you know. It's like, you're going to call the car I used to drive a classic car? I ain't ready for that right now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but the, anyway, the Hebrews 1.14 in the Amplified says this, Are not all the angels ministering spirits sent out by God, now listen to this, to serve, accompany, protect those who will inherit salvation. Serve, accompany, and protect. Mm-mm. Love it. Now, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about the ministry of angels. Last week, Pastor Mike was teaching on the subject of knowing your enemy, and I was sitting over there, and it just kind of downloaded in me that as Pastor Mike's assignment was to talk about the bad guys, my assignment tonight was to talk about the good guys. And so I just went with that and believed that God was in that, had great peace about going this direction, and therefore, here we go. So, what is this ministry to angels? And, and first of all, the reason why I wanted to start here is I wanted to see that, that you can talk about what angels do in, in, in many different facets, uh, uh, but, but, but I want to talk about 
the, the role of angels towards believers. What you can expect the ministry of angels to look like in your life as a believer. And, and so we're, we're going to go ahead and dig into some of this. And first of all, one thing that we see very common in Scripture that the angels do is that angels, uh, uh, they proclaim things. They bring proclamations. Now, you may have never seen an angel, and that's all right. Neither have I. I've never seen one. I've definitely felt the influence of them around me. As a matter of fact, I've been thinking this week about a story somebody told me, and I wish I could remember exactly where the story came from, but, but they were talking about how they were driving, and, and they were in a situation where uh, cars were crossing the lines. So, so you had the perfect storm of uh, a car crossing the line on the, the right lane and the left lane at the same time, and this person is in the middle lane. Now, check this out. The, the width of their car is wider than the width of the space they got to get through. And somehow they get through. Can anybody think of some stories in your life where you say, I don't know how I got out of that one. <laughs> hey, yeah. But the angels of God are at work on your cause and, and for your case. So, so here's the thing. You, you felt the influence of angels and have seen the work of angels going on around you. But you, you may have never actually uh, heard a, a proclamation of an angel giving you direction or anything like that. But that's all right. I want you to know that there are proclamations of angels that have already been directed towards you even before you got here. You want to see some of them? And you know, it's not, it's not that the Lord may not do something like that in your life. He may or he may not. But you don't have to seek for that, look for that. Because the thing is, is that it, God will go ahead and get direction to you by whatever means he sees fit. The primary way that he'll get direction to you is through the word and through the spirit of God that lives inside of your spirit. So that's the primary way that God will lead you. But, you know, sometimes when there's unusual set of circumstances, you know, uh, there's a, 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 a special way of getting the message across for a special situation. And you might think, well, ain't nothing special going to happen to me. Well, I've got to tell you, the, the shepherds out in the field in Bethlehem never thought something special was going to happen to them either. So I'm not discounting that, that the Lord may do something like that. He may not do something like that. But, but the bottom line is this, is that we want to go ahead and have an openness to him and a sensitivity to him and say, Lord, whatever is the means that you want to go ahead and get your message across to me, I'm ready and I'm sensitive. We talked about sensitivity earlier. This is part of being sensitive, being sensitive to spiritual things and sensitive to the direction of the Lord. All right. Now, uh, let's look at some of these proclamations. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 through 12. You might have heard this one before. Then the angel said to them, that being the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Are you a people? Hey, well, this angel proclamation was for you a long time ago. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
So the, one of the first proclamations you see in the New Testament is that Jesus showed up. The, the Son of God has, uh, has been born. The, the King has been born. And then you also see this other proclamation of angels later in the gospel. If you look at Matthew 28 and verse 5 and 6, you see this, that the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen. Hey, hey, hallelujah. So you got another proclamation of the angel. Once when he was born, once when he was uh, raised from the dead, but then you also have Acts 1, 10, and 11, the proclamation of the angel at the point when Jesus ascended up to the right hand of the Father. Starting with 10, it says, While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Interesting thing that angels can sometimes have the appearance of men. Which is one of the reasons why the writer of Hebrews in the 13th chapter said, be careful about entertaining strangers. Because sometimes when you do that, you're entertaining an angel without even realizing it. Come on, somebody. Verse 11. So these two men in white apparel, verse 11 says what they said. It says, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So we see three proclamations there. We see one of the birth of Christ, one of the resurrection of Christ, and one of the fact that Christ is coming again. And there's other proclamations made along the way throughout Scripture, but those are just several to uh, uh, just kind of whet your appetite on that. And, and, and here's the thing. If an angel comes and proclaims something to you, you never take the, the word of a vision or any experience that you have greater than the authority of this book. Remember that Paul said that if he or an angel from heaven came preaching any other gospel except the gospel you've already been taught, let that person be accursed. That's some heavy language. But, but here, here's the thing. There are major religions that have been founded based on the, the revelation given by a vision of an angel. But it doesn't line up with scripture. It's different. It's foreign. It, it's, it, it's, it's not in line with the word of God. So, so that's, that's one thing we need to know. And some people have gone angel crazy where they, they want to go ahead and pray to angels. And, and I tell you, you know, uh, you don't pray to angels. We know that. We don't worship angels. And when you die, you ain't becoming an angel. Boy, I tell you, this one time I was doing a funeral. And this one girl over and over and over again talked about uh, the, the person who de- was deceased as turning into an angel. And I thought, Lord, help me out here. Because that is not true. As a matter of fact, angels work for you. You're not an angel. you got angels working for you. As Hebrews 1 said, they're ministering to you. They're serving you. Hallelujah. And that's part of what we're going to dig into here tonight. So, so one of the things that we see is the ministry of angels. They make proclamations. But then you also see angels make preparation. This is interesting that you can actually see angels setting up situations for people to be able to hear the word of God. Ooh. 
<laughs> Someone say it's a setup. How many of you know when your family members, when your friends, when your coworkers, somebody needs a good setup? Just say, all right, angels, go get them. Set this one up. Let's take a look at this. This is Acts 28. An interesting thing to note here uh, regarding the ministry of angels, the, the Bible does talk about a time later on during the time of what is called the Great Tribulation, the seven-year period of tribulation that will come on the, on the earth uh, uh, prior to uh, uh, the, the second return of Jesus. Um, uh, it talks about angels going and proclaiming the gospel around the world. But here in this time prior to that, angels aren't going around preaching. Have you noticed that? And you're going to see here, there's two cases where an angel could have very easily gone and done the preaching. But no, what he did, he set up the, the circumstances whereby a man could do the preaching. Whereby a man could go ahead, a man or a woman, you know, a human being, could go and uh, minister the gospel to somebody. Check this out. This is Acts 8, 26 to 30. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And this is desert. So the angel of the Lord really didn't tell him anything else except where to go. And he went there. Verse 27, So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, hey, do you know what you're reading? And then, of course, what happens a, a little bit down the road is that this guy says, well, I, I don't know exactly what I'm reading. I don't understand it unless somebody helps me understand it. And then Philip, I mean, this guy's reading Isaiah chapter 53, which those of you that, that, that know a little bit about your Bible, Isaiah 53 is like wall-to-wall -wall description of the sufferings and the resurrection of Jesus. And so, and pastor just preached on that not that long ago. We went through Isaiah 53 with, with real good detail. Uh, and, and so this guy's reading Isaiah 53. Philip gets in there, and what's he do? He preaches Christ to this guy. But how did this connection get made? It got made because of the direction given by an angel. So it's interesting that an angel can be involved with setting up a situation whereby someone can hear the word. That's big, somebody. How big is that? Because in this case here, by reaching one person who is on his way to go back to his homeland, by Philip's one act of obedience, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ went to Ethiopia. You think God's strategic and does things on purpose? Oh, yes, he does. Hallelujah. Go ahead and find the man who's leaving Jerusalem and heading back to his homeland and, mm, and hungry but doesn't quite get it. Philip is right there, gets further direction from the Spirit. Go ahead and catch up with him. Catches up with him, 
preaches Christ to him. This guy gets saved, brings the gospel to his homeland. Check this out. Also in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11, verse 13 through 14. And it says, and he, that being Cornelius, uh, told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house. And the angel said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Now it's interesting that the angel himself, who was right there talking to him, did not tell him words whereby him and his household could be saved. Rather, he directed him to Peter. And it was Peter who will tell you words by which you and all your household would be saved. Which goes back to the point I made a few minutes ago, that right now, this time, angels aren't doing the preaching, but angels can go ahead and connect the dots and set up circumstances where men can do the preaching, and other men who need it can do the hearing and the receiving of the gospel. Hallelujah. So think about this. What an amazing thing that that God's angels, that one of the things that they can do, one of the assignments that they have, one of the ways that they can serve us is by going and setting up opportunities whereby somebody can hear the word. You ever have an open door with somebody? I mean, you know, the, the perfect opportunity to go ahead and talk to somebody about the Lord, that opportunity where, where it's like uh, the, the one you always dreamed of when, when nobody else is around and the phone's not ringing and, and, and this person asks a, a deep, soul-searching question and you say, mm-mm, this is my opportunity. This is what I've been waiting for. i tell you what. I believe, based on the word, that the angels of God can be involved in setting up those circumstances and those opportunities. And why would they want to go ahead and be involved in the act of preparation? They want to be involved in the act of preparation so they can go on to the act of partying. Because there is joy in the presence of the angels when one sinner repents. Hallelujah. We want, some, we want some more angel parties going on around here. Amen. Hallelujah. So we see proclamation. The angels go forth and make proclamations. And uh, uh, several of those big ones, thank God, we're still going on to this very day. And then we also see the idea of the angels acting in preparation, connecting the dots, allowing the opportunity for, for someone to be able to, to hear the word of God. And, and, and uh, receive the good news of the gospel. How about this? How about protection? Hey, hallelujah. This is just juicy, I'll tell you. And, and uh, you know, uh, when you think about protection, I know a lot of people around here think, well, if I got my little angel medal in the right place, you know, on my rearview mirror hanging down there, my, my little angel metal is going to go ahead and take care of me. That's just a little piece of metal. That ain't your angel. Can, can I talk with you tonight? Uh, your, your little picture of an angel or a little image of an angel, and I don't have a problem with the, you know, uh, uh, art and artistic things and artistic renderings. But I got to tell you, I'm glad that your angel and my angel is a whole lot more tough and a whole lot more beefed up than some of these wimpy 
ideas that people have of what angels look like. I don't want Cupid protecting me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I want some big old 10 foot tall, sword in hand, nobody going to mess with kind of angel, you know what I'm saying? Psalm 34, 7, check this out. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad about that? Camping out. Camping out meaning totally surrounding you. Encamped around you. Surrounded you on every side. And delivers you. And how do you get this benefit? By fearing God. Having reverence and respect for God and his word. Check this out. Daniel 6 verse 22. Oh yeah. Now now this is after Daniel was in the lion's den. And the lions weren't hungry for him. But then the king went and, got, uh, went and got the guys that set up Daniel. And all of a sudden those lions got hungry. But for Daniel this was his story. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him, that being God, and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. How beautiful is that? I mean, you know, uh, they, they were purring for Daniel and they were tearing up the other guys. The angel of the Lord made that difference. The angel of the Lord shut the lion's mouth. How about uh, 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 this here is an example of a warning. How many of you have ever got a warning before? Where you you didn't even know exactly for sure how it came or or, or why it came. but, But you got a warning and you went with it. You know, sometimes it's just this little nudge that comes out of nowhere that say, don't take that exit. Don't, don't take that way home. Well, why not? But you know what? If you don't take that way home, and you take the other way home, and then you get home, well, that's what you want to happen to you on your trip, you know, from point A to point B without any adventures in between. I believe that, that there, there's just a day coming and, you know, not, not that we're going to see negative things or uh, uh, sad and depressing things on the other side when we're with the Lord. But I do believe we're going to have some insight into some of the things that we miss by simply just being obedient. It's amazing that one little nudge to not do something can be the very thing that could have saved such tragedy. Just by listening to the one little nudge. And it just might have been an angel brushing up its feathers right up against you. Well, I shouldn't say wings, not feathers. Pardon me. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. On the, the morning of 9-11, uh, I heard a story of uh, uh, someone who uh, attends a, a church in the Bronx. Uh, uh, a church that was actually is pastored by a guy that I graduated from Bible school with. And uh, morning of 2000, September 11, 2001, uh, they're just having a hard time getting up in the morning and don't know why. 
this overwhelming sensation. I don't want to go to work today. And say, but I got to go to work, but I don't want to. And it was enough of a delay where they were about 10 blocks away when they saw the first plane hit the tower. I tell you, there's some stories about protection that, that just can make your hair stand up. One of my favorite stories about protection was that of a, uh, a missionary. Uh, well, actually, several missionaries that were working together. Um, uh, and uh, I'm not sure what, what nation in Africa they were in at the time. But, but, but they, they, were, they were out d- deep away from, from big cities and were really, really out in, uh, you know, away from what you would call civilization. And uh, they were in a situation where they, they were in trouble. And, and, and the guys in, in, in whose possession they were were going to go ahead and, and, and kill them. And um, it's interesting that the time of that happening in whatever time zone there in Africa, here in North America, somewhere in the United States, uh, somebody's praying. Don't know why, just got an urge to pray and had a sense they were praying for these guys, these missionaries, and prayed and, you know, prayed till they got some relief and then went on with their day or their night or whatever. <laughs> But but what happened with these missionary guys is just amazing. They knew that, that they were actually in a tent. And they knew that the guys that, that were, were their captors just outside the tent were going to go ahead and finish them off. And they said, you know what? Rather than us waiting for them to come and get us, let's go out to them. And they came out, and, uh, and all, all these guys who were going to go ahead and hurt them fall flat on their faces on the ground. Maybe some fall on their face, some fall back, but anyhow, they all hit the deck. And what ultimately they saw, these captors, what they saw, was that when these two guys walked out the tent, out with them walked two very large guys with swords in their hand that, that they didn't want to mess with. <laughs> and happened, incidentally, at the same time, somebody in North America was praying. Oh, hallelujah. You, you heard, you know, the, the, the in fire prevention technique you know you hear stop drop and roll somebody needs to stop drop and pray when the spirit of god is moving on you to pray you need to stop drop and pray because you never know how your prayer can impact something either in your own life or in someone else's life or impact something that's going on even on the other side of the world. Because when it comes to the spirit realm, there's not any distance. You can do something right here that can affect something even on the other side of the world just like that. Because you're not doing something that's natural. You're not doing something that's, that's temporal and physical. You're doing something that, that is done in the spirit realm, that is done in the realm of the unseen, done in the realm where God does his work. And oh, what a beautiful thing to have those kind of results. Amen. 
Now, we were talking about uh, Matthew 2.13 before I got sidetracked there. Matthew 2.13 is where uh, Joseph had a dream. Uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to him uh, in a dream said, Take the young child, his mother, and flee to Egypt. We're still talking about protection here, isn't that right? How about this? You know you can't talk about protection without getting into the wonderful chapter 91 of Psalm. Psalm 91, starting with verse 10. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. How amazing is that, glory to God, that he would give his angels charge over you to keep you not in some of your ways, not, not, not in a few, in all of your ways. Does somebody believe the book? And that they would bear you up in their hands so that you would not dash your foot against the stone. Hallelujah. That's awesome. You know, that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane made this statement. He said, hey, guys, don't you know that I could go ahead and call on my father right now and he would provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Anybody ever read that? Say, what's a legion? Well, a legion is uh, 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 equivalent to 6,000. So it, it, it's, uh, that's a pretty big army. So 12 legions, 12 times 6, that's 72. So imagine that. It says 72,000 angels that Jesus could have had just like that if he wanted. I'm glad he did not make that decision. Because if he made that decision, that would have been salvationist interruptus. You know what I'm saying? And we didn't need anything interrupting our salvation. We needed salvation. We needed help. Thank God, you know. And uh, so thank God that, that, that Jesus did not uh, take that option. But he could have taken that option. He said so. And imagine the kind of power that was available there. When uh, John records, I believe in the 18th chapter of his gospel, uh, Jesus says, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And what happens? Boom. Got all these guys fall down to the ground. I got to tell you this. If I'm there to arrest somebody, he speaks three words and I fall down to the ground. I'm too scared of him to arrest him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Glory to God. Check this out. This is Second Kings 6. This has to do with the prophet Elisha and his dealings with the king of Syria. Interesting. This is what I call supernatural intelligence going on or, or prophetic intelligence because all of the plans that the king of Syria had against Israel was being found out ahead of time because the prophet Elisha is just spilling the beans. And, and, and what one of the uh, uh, guys that worked for the king of Syria said, well, the, the problem you got is the prophet Elisha, because the things that you're talking about inside your bedroom, he's whispering in the ear of the king of Israel. So that's how, that's the setting in which this gets started. So he thinks, well, we got to take care of this guy who's spilling the beans and spoiling our plans. So verse 14 of 2 Kings uh, 6 Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? 
So he answered, do not fear for those who are with us or more than those who are with them. And of course, the classic little example of what happened at that moment is this servant looked and saw all these guys surrounding the town and then looked at him, at himself and the prophet said, all right, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, 1, 2. This does not compute. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey. But what happened? Let's read 16 again. The prophet said, Do not fear for those who are with us or more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And of course, as the story goes on, the, the, the beautiful ending that it has, as ain't nothing happened to Elisha and ain't nothing happened to his servant. But all these guys were smitten with blindness and led back home where they belonged. But they had a good meal first before they went home. And you know what is ultimately said there in the scripture is that that was the end of it. They didn't come back and bother Israel anymore. That that was the end of something. God's way of ending something was because this man of God said, you know, you know, you know what? I, I, it, it's an interesting thought. Someone would say, well, did, did, the, did the prophet see those angels before he said that? The Bible's not clear whether he did or whether he didn't. But I've got to tell you this. Can you go ahead and believe that there is more than you than those that be with them even when you don't see them? Hey, can somebody go ahead and take that step to go beyond Thomas' faith? To go beyond that point of, well, except I shall see, I will not believe. Boy, I tell you, how about believing that even right now, in this very room, woo, glory to God, that the angels are here right now. That they're here, worshiping along with us, looking out for us. Hallelujah. Getting ready to do some of the things we talked about tonight, setting up some situations where you can talk to somebody and they can go from preparing a situation for somebody to get saved and then partying because they did get saved. Hallelujah. Right now in this very place, do you believe it? Because, you see, we just need to break the habit of thinking that something is less real because it's unseen. We need to break that habit as believers once and for all. We believe in unseen stuff even more so than we believe in seen stuff. Because this seen stuff got here because of what's unseen. Hebrews 11.3 teaches us that. Hebrews 11.3 says that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were made of things which do not appear. Things which are seen, felt, heard were made from things that don't appear, that, that aren't seen, that aren't felt. Glory to God. And since we're talking about faith, whoa, let's go ahead and move from the, the protection aspect of the ministry of angels and, and dig into the performance aspect of their ministry. The performance aspect of their ministry, which you could also call them carrying out the word. 
carrying out the word. What, what do the angels do with the word? Not just when God speaks it. What do the angels do with the word? When you speak it. Come on. Hallelujah. Daniel 10. Check this out. And for right now, we'll just do verse 12. We won't do 13. But Daniel 10 verse 12 says this. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. This is an angel speaking to Daniel. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Wow. Does anybody want to pray? Hey, <laughs> Does anybody want to pray, make some declarations of faith, put out something out of your mouth, and say, angels, you got to pick up. You need to come on by and pick something up and deliver it to the throne room of God. And what's that, what's that pick up and delivery? It's your words. Check it out even further. Revelation 8, 3 through 4. It says, Revelation 8, 3, Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Verse 4, And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Wow! The angel picked up the prayer and delivered it to the very throne of God. And out of the angel's hand, woo, the prayer rose up before God. So if angels want to come by and pick up your words and bring them to the throne room of God, I would say it's probably a good thing to give them something good to come pick up. Oh, Lord. And I'll tell you what, if we get talking about being careful about the words of your mouth and what you say, oh, Lordy, I'm telling you, you, you know, uh, uh, there are certain staples that we as believers need to always go back to. Like you always eat your broccoli and, you know, stuff like that. Well, well this is part of the staples. You always, always need to be fed and reminded about the importance of mm-hmm. Your tongue, your mouth, your words. And to always be in a situation where you're not putting out your own words and uh, somebody else's ideas, but that what you say about situations and what you pray about situations is according to what the Lord would say about that situation. Because, oh, we're just going to look at this. You ready? This is big, Psalm 103. Wow. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. They do his word, they heed the voice of his word. They do his word, they heed the voice of his word. Which means this, that when the Lord gives an order... They act on it, and they do it. But when the Word of God comes out of one of those believers that an angel is sent to minister to, that in the same way that they would act on the Word of God out of the mouth of God, that they would also act on the Word of God out of your mouth too. 
And we've already seen examples of that. I came for your words. Your words were heard and I came for your words. That's what the angel said to Daniel. We see that the angels came, got the prayers of the saints and brought them up to the throne room of God. But then what we're going to do now is we're going to see the importance of not saying anything that's contrary to the word. Oh, Lordy. Not saying anything uh, that's contrary to the word. Exodus 23. You all right? Yeah, we, we're digging into some word tonight. This is all right. I like to shout and run around the church, but this is teaching night. And the flow in this feels just as good as the other flow to me. I tell you, glory to God. God's got a variety of flows. Exodus 23, verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. That's talking about the promised land. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him. What an interesting thing for God to say. Don't provoke the angel. For he will not part of your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Hey, that sounds good, Lord. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the uh, into the Amorites and the Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I will cut them off. So you see all these ites here? It says, I will cut them off. Now, Keep that in mind. Keep the ites in mind, all right? Exodus 33, 2. Let's make a case here. I will send my angel before you. Oh, here we go again. More angel talk. And I will drive out the Canaanite, Amorite, Hittite, Perizzite, Hivite, and Jebusite. See a common theme there? Now, now this is talking about the, the land where these guys live is the land that God promised to Israel. Isn't it nice? You know, you, you might think, well, Lord, why don't you go ahead and take me into a place that's like not inhabited and, and you know, ain't, ain't no giants there, no battles to fight. You know, just I can just go in and, you know, take it over and don't have to fight for nothing. But but what God's doing, God's bringing them into a place where all these heights are already and, and they don't want to go ahead and give up their ground. They, they think this is our ground. They think this is theirs. Not realizing that God swore with an oath to Abraham that a certain piece of geography was going to belong to him and his descendants forever. Thank you very much. All right. Did we read Numbers 13 yet? Numbers 13. This is the very word of God. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Now, now here, here's God saying, I'm giving it to you. This, this is even a step beyond the angels going before you to drive out these guys, all these ites. This is a place where, where God himself is saying, I'm giving you this place. Now, Numbers 13, same chapter, but a little bit later in the chapter, starting with verse 27. Then they told him, that this is when the spies came back, that, that went in to spy out the land. They told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They brought some grapes back. Those are big grapes. Verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. 
Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. So all the ites were there, just like we've heard all along. All right? Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Said something that was absolutely contrary to what God was speaking all along. And we're not going to go ahead and read any further than that right now, but I want you to see. God warned them, said, I've sent the angel, don't provoke the angel. In other words, don't disagree with the angel. If the angel goes left, you go left. If the angel goes right, you go right. You know, I've sent him. I've established this. I've said where you're going and, and what's there when you get there. And to say something that is contrary to what God said, you know what it ended up in, and resulted in? Everybody that was uh, 20 years and under, that was the only part of the group that got to go in and see this promised land. And anybody over that age died in the wilderness. Not because God didn't want them to get in there. Not because God couldn't get them in there, because God had it laid out how to get them in there. But that is the result of God's word going one way and you with your mouth going another way. It robs you from having the, the results and having the inheritance that God wants you to have. My goodness, we need to pay attention to the words of our mouth. Because if we pay attention to the words of our mouth, then rather than provoking the angel, then rather than bringing wrath on ourselves and putting ourselves in, in a position of things not working and things going south quickly... Glory to God, we put ourselves in a position where we're in agreement with God. And if God's always right, I think it's best for us to always be in agreement with somebody who's always right. That just makes good sense, doesn't it? Lord, Lord help us. If he's right about everything, you better agree with him. Now we're going to skip Luke 1, but I do want to mention this. Think about how important words are that when the angel appeared to Zacharias in Luke chapter 1, who was the father of John the Baptist, that he actually uh, just said, you know what? Uh, when, when Zacharias started asking questions, not in the same spirit that Mary asked questions, because Mary just said, well, how am I going to know a man if, you know, we, we ain't never had any business going on? You know, an honest question that the angel gave an honest answer to. But you see, Zacharias, there was doubt in his question. He was doubting the word of the angel. And, and, and you know, Gabriel said, we're just going to put an end to this right here because you're going to be unable to speak until the baby shows up. I tell you what, I said, Lord, if I can have that Gabriel anointing for a minute. You, you ever have some people in your life, you won't say, hmm. <laughs> you know, unable to speak for a season, sometimes for their own good, so they don't block their own blessing and dock themselves out of the good things God wants to do. Imagine what 
Could, could it be, and, and, and the Bible does not totally lay this out, but let me say this. Could it be that the angel said, we're going to go ahead and just make sure that you can't talk for the next nine months or however long so, so that you don't mess up this plan? Is there power in your words? Is the power of life and death in your tongue? Absolutely. Glory to God. I want you to see how important you're agreeing with God and you're speaking the word because if you speak the word, the angels heed the word and can do the word. If you're not speaking the word, then you're, uh, the, the angels cannot do something with what you're saying. They, they heed the word. They do the word. If you're not speaking the word and you're speaking some other stuff, you got angels sitting in the unemployment line saying, I sure hope I get a job to do sometime soon. Lord help. One more thing before we go. And this is an overview. I mean, we, there, you could spend a whole lot of time on all of these things, but, but this is more of an overview tonight. But let's look at the provision that God can bring through the ministry of angels. One thing that, that can be provided through the ministry of angels, and, and interesting, so some of these things in the Bible you just almost read right over unless you take the time to catch it and notice it. That angels can provide strength and invigoration to you in the way that they did to Jesus. Look what happened to Jesus. Jesus, Luke 22 in the Garden of Gethsemane, verse 41, it says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And that word strengthening in the Greek literally means not just to strengthen, but to invigorate. You, you ever feel like you, you know, you just, there ain't nothing left? And you, you need a shot in the arm? I'll tell you what, part of the ministry of angels to Jesus was to invigorate him when he needed to be invigorated. And good enough for Jesus, good enough for us too, amen? Think about this, along the same line that angels can provide uh, relief and sustenance. Check this out, this is Mark 1.13. We, we went to the end of Jesus' ministry, now we're back at the, mid, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, where he was tempted in the wilderness. He was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Now, that word ministered in the Greek means to, to serve, to, to wait upon, to relieve one's necessities, to provide for, to take care of, to distribute things that are necessary to sustain life. I like that. To, to distribute the things that are necessary to sustain life. Imagine that. Glory to God. This is part of the ministry of angels, that they could actually uh, uh, provide uh, strength and invigoration and even relief and sustenance. Um, we're, we're probably not going to look up these last few verses, but I'll give you the references. First Kings 19, 4 through 8, uh, uh, that there, if, if you check that out, you can see right in the ministry of Elijah that, that you have an angel that actually provides food for him. He's sleeping, and the angel wakes him up, and the angel made him food. And the New King James Bible said it was a cake, so it must be angel food cake. Come on. (laughs) 
And two times in that passage, you see an angel actually providing food for the prophet. Glory to God. You, you know that manna and uh, in, in Psalm uh, 78, it refers to manna as angels' food. Remember the manna that fell in the wilderness? Now, uh, that may not necessarily be saying that that was the food that angels ate, but I believe it's more saying that that was the food that angels provided. Because part of their role, and you see that in Scripture, is that they are uh, provisionary in that sense. Glory to God. Provide strength when you need strength. Uh, can, can bring some relief and sustenance to you when you need sustenance. Even literally food. Glory to God. How about providing the right connections? You know that Abraham, when he came to the end of his life, and I'm about to wrap up here, Abraham at the end of his life uh, uh, got his, his elder servant, you know, the, the servant with the most seniority in the house, and said, I've got a special assignment for you. Isaac needs a wife. Now, if you read there in Genesis 24, you, you will see this. Uh, uh, he said, the, the Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying to your descendants, I'll give this land. Listen to this. This is uh, uh, for the uh, sound booth so you can take a look at this. Look at verse 7, 24-7. There you go. He, the second to last line, he will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Woo! Imagine that. That angels, among the other things they can provide, can provide the right connections. Hallelujah. That, that an angel would go before this servant, uh, who I believe his name was Eliezer, and that you shall take a wife for my son there. Some single person wants to say hallelujah, glory to God, Amen. If you're single and you're desiring a spouse, that's a good one to stand on. You know, it's, it's interesting that, that, that the angels, among all the other things, provide can provide connections. Even the ultimate connection of a spouse. Do you believe it? Amen. Glory to God. That, that, that's part of the world. How did Abraham know that, he, that God would send that angel? You, you don't see anything in Scripture about that. And yet, yet here we are at this point, and Abraham, so matter of fact, said, God's going to send his angel before you, and he's going to go ahead and connect you to the right person so that my Isaac can be connected to the right person. Glory to God. But I believe that, that not just in terms of spouses, but even in terms of being connected with the right business relationships. hey. In any, in any sphere of life, that God's angels can provide the right connections for you. Bring you to the right people at the right time and the right place. Glory to God. And you know what? Here in Genesis 24, imagine that. That the angel would actually be involved in getting a spouse for Abraham's son. See, when, when, uh, when we were in Bible school, uh, they used to sing this song called The Angels of Work and Bringing My Money In. 
course, I had a friend, and he would sing the angels of work and bring in my honey in. <laughs> but the thing is, is that we're talking about the ministry of angels here. The, the ministry of proclamation, proclaiming things, putting things out there that need to be heard and need to be known. The, the, the ministry of preparation, setting up things and connecting the dots behind the scenes. Glory to God. The, the ministry of, uh, of protection. Glory to God. The, 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 the ministry of uh, provision. All of these wonderful things that angels do. And who is this for? Some deep saint, spiritual person out there? Or is this for you? For those who are heirs of salvation. I want you to know tonight, if you're a believer in Jesus, this ministry and these services provided are provided for you. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we honor you. We're, we're so glad for the word of God tonight. Lord, for, for helping us to see great and mighty and wonderful things out of your word tonight. And we're grateful. And tonight in this place, I know we didn't have any visitors, but if you're here tonight, and uh, you, you may have been here a few times, but you say, you know what, I just have really never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I have never uh, uh, um, just made my peace with God and got to the point where I know that I know that, that when I leave planet Earth, that I'm going up and not down. That I'm going to be with the Lord and be in heaven and not hell. And you realize the, the seriousness and the, the significance of making that decision and how a decision you make here affects your eternity. If that's you tonight, you want to go ahead and receive.